But tonight I want to speak just for really just a couple minutes on what I entitled The God Who Shows Up. I don't know how many of you ever need a God who shows up. But I've had a time or two in my life that I've needed God to show up. You know, the uh, technical term for Jesus, for God showing up in the form of human flesh, the technical term is called incarnation. I was writing on Facebook the other day, and I was thinking about the whole cultural upheaval of recent years that we've had concerning the war of Christmas. You've heard about that, right? People not wanting to say Merry Christmas, people not wanting to put up the vestiges of the Christmas season in fear that somebody would be offended, not realizing that when Jesus came the first time, there was lots of people offended. And so uh, there's been a a whole war, they've called it, on whether we should say Merry Christmas, whether you should say Happy Holiday in deference to other folks who are celebrating other religious moments. And, of course, you know my, my feeling is I'm a Christian. I say Merry Christmas. That's what it's all about. Still waiting, still waiting to hear the 24-hour radio station playing Kwanzaa carols and, and Hanukkah songs. It just doesn't happen. It's about Christmas. It's about Christ coming. And so I thought on my Facebook I would just suggest that we change it. Instead of saying Merry Christmas, perhaps we should exercise some more precision in this area and we just ought to greet each other by saying Happy Incarnation Day. And it started a thread. Some thought that if we were to say that, they would think I was saying Happy Reincarnation Day. And that would not have been good. There were others who thought that somehow it might be mistaken for a flower holiday. Happy Carnation Day. There were others who thought that maybe they might confuse it with condensed milk or powdered milk. That may take you just a moment to figure that one out. Those of you that are bakers would probably pick that up quicker. But the, but the funniest one I had was the one who mentioned to me that all of those who had a, a jail record would think it was a day for them. And I said, that's, that's Happy Incarceration Day, not Happy Incarnation Day. So I determined probably we just need to stick with Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. But saying Merry Christmas doesn't escape the fact that it is an incarnation. That Jesus who is very God, 100% God and 100% man. Try to wrap your brain around that one. That's why Paul called it a mystery. It's the mystery of the incarnation, how you can be 100% human and 100% divine. And, And there's none of us that will ever be like that. But he was. He was the only one that could fully identify with us, and yet he was the only one that could fully Identify with God himself as well. Incarnation. Literally means God enfleshing himself. In the book of Isaiah, which is where we find the first prophecies concerning Jesus, the familiar one, in chapter 7, verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. 
You know, if we lose this, we lose the gospel. If, if we lose the notion that Jesus, you see, Jesus wasn't just a good teacher. He was a good teacher. But he wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't just a good philosopher. He wasn't just a good guy. He was very man and very God. A unique individual who came in order to grab hands with us and grab hands with God and put our hands together in order that we could be reconciled with him. Started thinking about that God with us, God with us. What an amazing thing, God with us. When the Lord himself decided to move amongst us, there were just several things. I, I mentioned I don't have time to go through them all, but there are a couple of things I think that are really important because when Jesus came and when we read about Jesus in the scriptures, what we really get for the first time in the clearest of ways is an introduction as to who God really is. You see, up to this time, God could get a little cloudy. I mean, he was this big, transcendent, awesome being, and everybody certainly respected him, and they were in awe of him, and there was wonder. But sometimes you could imagine that relating to God was, was kind of tough because, I mean, he's God, and we're us. But when Jesus comes, it's the moment. It's, it's a connection moment. It's an introduction moment. I I'm just, I'm just talking the way that I've come to see it. It's, it's a moment when, when, when God somehow, as He enfleshes Himself, not only knows just because He knows all things, but He knows in an experiential sense what it is to be like us. And at the same time, we have the opportunity to stare into the face of Jesus, and when we look into the face of Jesus, we literally look into the face of God. We have an introduction. If you ever wondered, what is God like? Just read about Jesus. And you get a fullness of the sense of who He is. The Bible says, full of grace and truth. That's Jesus. When Jesus came, it shows me that that God was willing to make an investment in us. Isn't that an incredible thing? I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but you know, when, when sin entered into the world, God had options. You think you've got options. I mean, every Sunday morning we wake up and sometimes we think we got options. Every time when it comes to serving God, we think we have options. Let me tell you, God had options. He has options every morning. He could blow the whole thing up and start all over again. And there are days I wonder if he wouldn't be better off. He's got options. But God doesn't do that. Why doesn't he do that? It's because his nature is love. His very nature is redemption. His very nature is taking that which is twisted and gnarled and destroyed and and beaten up and, and cast out. His nature is to move in that and reconcile it and restore it and and resurrect it. Amazing, isn't it? And he invested in us, his very son. Instead of just starting over and wiping the slate, I don't know if you've ever started on something and you looked at it and you said to yourself, you know what, I'm just, I'm throwing this one out and I'm starting over again. God could do that, but he didn't. He said, I'll take, I'll take the image that's been marred and I'll send my son and he'll restore it. It's an amazing thing what God did on that first Christmas morning. In fact, we weren't even smart enough to know we needed it. 
know, a lot of folks, when we get to this option stage or this choice stage, a lot of us kind of wander around thinking, well, you know, you're probably right. And, and I, I do recognize that the Lord came and I, I kind of get the story because I've been around this long enough. And one of these days, I'm really going to sink myself into it. I'm really going to get serious about this. I'm really going to go on with God. And here's the part of the Christmas story that oftentimes gets overlooked. And it's this. And that is when we were clueless. When we didn't know what we needed, when we didn't want what we needed, when everyone was looking in a total another direction, God initiated and he sent his son into our circumstances. I always keep that in the forefront of my mind because to be candid with you, my choice has to be used with quotation marks. I can only choose as God reaches out to me. Don't you think for a moment that you're the one that gets to decide times and seasons. Jesus said, no man comes to me unless the Spirit draws him. Don't you think that you came to Christmas Eve service tonight just because it's the thing to do? You were drawn here tonight. God woos. He's a drawer. He initiates. We're clueless. We're just dumb as rocks, all of us. Me too. But even in our dullness, he reaches. He reveals. And he breaks through. An amazing thing, this God. He intervened in our lives. I don't know if you've ever watched it. I I never really have taken time to watch it. I know that on the A&E channel, they have a show now that's entitled Intervention. I guess that's when a family member's just gone crazy and everybody sort of designs a moment and they have what they call this intervention. They don't want it, but they get it. It's because they don't get it. So there's an intervention. And usually it's the drama. We, we enjoy the drama of these shows. We enjoy it when they, when they go into the intervention room and they spring it on them. And, and you know, they've been buying drugs and, or they're just, you know, they're buzzed their whole life or they're drunk and their life has fallen apart and they've got no money. They're living on the street and they're looking at all their whole family and they're going, what? I don't have a problem. I don't have anything wrong. I don't know why y'all would do this. And, and, and we see that on television, and it's, and it's sad and comical all at the same time. And we never realize that, that as we're watching the A&E channel in this family intervention, God looks at humanity, and he sees the A&E channel all over the world. And he says they need an intervention. They don't get it. They don't think they need any help. They don't think they even need me in their life. They need an intervention. And God came and intervened. And do you realize that he intervened to such magnitude that to this very day, unless the ACLU gets to it first, we still define the calendar as B.C. and A.D. That's how dramatic that intervention was. God came. God came. And the thing about it all is, as he's come, he gives us an invitation. I think it's a standing invitation. It's the one I like in Revelation 3 and 20 when he says, Behold, in fact, he literally says it to one of the churches. I think that's fascinating too. He isn't knocking on the world's door. He's knocking on the door even of the church. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, 
Didn't say he'd kick the door down. Didn't say that he'd elbow it in. He said, if any man opens the door, I will come in. And I will sup with him and he with me. And he gives that kind of an invitation to open the door. And every time, every, every high, holy season on the calendar, I think at least it's a moment that, that the doors are open. And the Lord is saying, would you, would you let me come through? Would you, let me, would you let me enter the heart again? Would you let me touch your life? When we couldn't reach out to him, he reached down to us. I want to end with this. Some of you know me. You know I'm a, I'm a dog lover. You'd be amazed at how many times in the scripture, if you could study the original language, that a lot of the words are words that are oftentimes used and picked up from the culture that are used between a master and his animal in relationship to our relationship to God. He's the master and we are more like an animal. Now, I understand we're human beings. Don't misunderstand. But, but those were the words to signify his greatness and our neediness. And sometimes we can see this relationship in our animals. And I'll never forget, three years ago, we got a new dog. His name's Pugan. He's a pika-pong. He dances like a Pomeranian, but he's got that look on his face with that undercut. Oh, for us, he's a beautiful dog. Snow white, two black eyes, and a black nose. And you know what? He wasn't in our house but about two weeks before he became a family member. Now, I won't even describe how much of a family member he is now three years later. I mean, he owns the house now. But in just a couple weeks, our hearts were just strangely knit to this crazy puppy. And we put him, we put him in a bathroom in order to, to keep him those early, those early days. And uh, I had taken my daughter to school one morning and had come back. And when I walked into the home, this was early in the morning after dropping her off from school, my wife and Tyler were in a panic. I could hear this panic. And, and what I didn't realize was that sometime while I was gone, we, we had this wrought iron magazine rack in the bathroom. And Pugan had stuck his head in that wrought iron. Now, he's just a few weeks old. And, 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 it, and it's that wrought iron that goes around like this. And he had gotten his head in that wrought iron, and then he couldn't get it out. And he didn't know enough to kind of twist it back around, and it was made in such a way that once he got it to this location, there was really no way he could get it out again on his own. And what caused such a panic, and it was funny, and it is a funny story now, but what caused such a panic was that as he as a puppy had no understanding, was panicking, he was literally choking himself off. And they had grabbed, picked him up and picked up this big wrought iron magazine rack. And they were trying to figure out how to get his little head out of that wrought iron. And every time they tried to move carefully his head out of that wrought iron, it would begin to choke him off. And you could literally see his eyes begin to roll and they would stop and we would all cry. Just two weeks. We just had him two weeks. He's just a dog. We're sitting there thinking, what are we going to do? Is this puppy going to die in our hands? And I said, I don't care about the magazine rack. I don't care about anything. I went and got uh, uh, one, of those, one of those wrenches, one of, uh, just a pipe wrench. And I was able to get it just below his neck to where it wasn't his neck. And I'm here to tell you, if there was ever a moment that I had the strength of Samson come into me, that was the moment. 
I didn't need any hair at that moment. I'm telling you, God moved in a bald guy at that moment. And I pulled that thing. I, 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 it was supernatural strength. I pulled that thing. And, and his, his head was able to be flipped out. And of course, I just knowing enough science to know that dog didn't remember that event 10 minutes after it happened. But it was cataclysmic to us. And I started thinking to myself how God must have felt when he looked at us. Knowing that we had our heads stuck in places that we couldn't get out of. Not even realizing we're choking ourselves out. And through his son he reached down. And when no one else had the power to set us free, Jesus, Jesus was the one who could. I can't imagine that kind of love. I think that day, just looking at a dog, I began to imagine, what if this is how I feel toward a dog? What would I feel toward my family? And more than that, what must God feel towards us? It's an amazing thing, our God. The God who showed up. That's what Christmas is all about. That's why you need tomorrow morning to get up and lick his face. Nah, just... Say, Lord, thank you. You are awesome. You set me free. Free to love you and serve you. Serve others in your name. That's what Christmas is all about. Amen.